0: Today we are one step closer to finishing our study in the book of Acts. Lord willing, we will finish up next week. Uh, I found out this week, I looked and found we started on August second, two 2019. So off and on, mostly on, we've been in the book of Acts now for three years. Well, we're about to wrap that up uh, next week. Well, today as we set the stage for our conclusion, I want to remind us today, I want us to be sure of this today, the world needs... The gospel preaching church. The world needs the gospel preaching church. Our world and the sad shape that it is in needs the truth of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Now look around today, watch the world today, survey the world today. It needs the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And the church is the protector, is the pillar, is the proclaimer of that hope. The world needs the gospel-preaching church today. Are you with me? The world needs the gospel-preaching church. But more than that, don't miss this, but more than that, we need the gospel-proclaiming church. You do. I do. We need the church. We need the church. Friends, I want to tell you, it is a sad thing when we lose sight of the value of the church in our lives. And I'll just tell you very honestly, we suffer, we are hindered when we fail to understand the value of the church in our lives. The world needs the church, yes, but we need the church. Well, today in our verses, as we wrap up our study, today in our verses, we're gonna reaffirm that in scripture, the Bible's gonna reaffirm that for us. Our message today is very plainly called, You need the church. You need the church. We're in Acts chapter 28, the last chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 28 today, verses 1 through 20. Verses 1 through 20. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor of the reverence of the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 28, beginning in the first verse. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out the island was called Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, Justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place where the land's belonging to the, where the, land's belonging to the leading man of the island, Named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered on the island and which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium. And a day later, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, We came to Patelli. There we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews, and when they came together, he began saying to them, "'Brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death.' But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you, for I am wearing this chain for the hope of Israel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we are thankful for you. We are thankful that on this day that you are unchanged, on this day that you are our hope, that on this day you are our peace, on this day you are our anchor that has not moved. And so we can come today and say, Lord, we trust you because you're trustworthy. We place our faith in you because you're faithful. And so, Lord, we just praise you and we exalt you, our Savior Jesus today. Lord, I, I pray that in this hour that you've been glorified and I, I pray that you're pleased in the gathering of your people this morning. And now, Lord, as we begin to study your word, I pray that it would truly be not a normal event, that it would truly be a supernatural event. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our ears, to our hearts, to our minds this morning. I I pray that we would be changed, that we would be equipped, that we would be prepared to stand as your people for your glory in these days. Lord, I pray for, for many that are hurting. I pray that they would find peace and the priest, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray for some that are hearing that do not know you. I pray that this very hour in the hearing of good news that they would turn to you and receive you in faith. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, this morning as we are closing out the book of Acts, as we are setting up the last sermon, the last message for next week, uh, as, we are, as we are doing that, I want to bring into view this morning four truths that we need to remember about the church. Now, over the course of our study, we've learned a lot of things about the church. We've seen a bunch of amazing things about the church. But as we prepare, as we set up for the concluding message, I want us to again bring to mind to understand some necessary truths about the church. Remember all the way through the study I've been saying God is preparing us as the church today in these last days by our looking at the church in the first days. And all the way back when we started in Acts chapter 1, I believe that is true. I believe this has been specific. I believe it has been purposeful. And I believe God has been building us, preparing us to stand in the last days before Jesus comes by looking at the church of the first days. And so understand, this is important. Jesus is soon to come again. The, 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 the eternities of, of many folks are hanging in the balance. We must be faithful as the church. He's preparing us, has been, in this study. Again, today we're going to see these four things. Now, the first thing we see, the first truth we see that we need to remember is this. God's power is on display in the gospel preaching church. All right, here we are in the last days. Here we are in our church. We need to remember God's power is on display in the gospel preaching church. Friends, be sure today and understand the church is a powerful thing. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we become so familiar we, we lose that. But the church is a powerful thing. It is not a normal thing. It is not a mundane thing. The church is a powerful thing because God works His power through it. So the church is a powerful thing. Woe to us if the church ever becomes a normal thing. And I watch in the practice of the church and I watch on the landscape of churches out there. Woe to us if the church ever loses its power and becomes a normal thing. All right, let's look at our verses this morning starting in verse 1. When they had been brought through safe, when they had been brought safely through, then we found out the island was called Malta. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out the island was called Malta. Malta actually translates a place of refuge. And so after the storm, the great two-week storm, after the shipwreck, after the ship has come undone, this surely was a place of refuge. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out the island was called Malta. Verse 2, the natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received... Now understand it says the natives here. It's not talking about an uncivilized people, but the people that were native to the island. This was home for them, and so the native folks of the island. Verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. Now, the first thing I want you to see in verse 3 is I want you to see what Paul is doing. Here they are, 276 of them. They They are safe on the island, shipwrecked there. The natives have come out. They've started a fire. But Paul is gathering up sticks to place on the fire. He has to keep the fire going. Someone has to keep the fire going. And so, as always, he is found working. As always, he's not sitting somewhere. He is found serving. Bible says a poisonous snake has attached to his hand. Now, it had been cold. I'm sure it was hiding there in the sticks. And so when he gets close to the fire, it warms up and it bites him. It attaches to his hand. Now, because we know any snake is a king cobra, that's what kind of snake it was. It was a king cobra. All right, verse 4. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Now I want you to remember this. Remember Paul is a prisoner. And so even in this situation, he has a Roman guard with him. Well, they, they see the Roman guard with him. They, they know he must be a criminal. And so they say he has escaped the wreck But you know what? Justice is going to prevail. This murderer will die by lethal injection, if you will. He's going to die by lethal injection. Justice is going to prevail, verse 5. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm, verse 6, but they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time, and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say he was a god. They, they knew the snake was poisonous. They had never seen anybody that could be bitten and shake it off and live, and they're waiting to see if he swells up, if he dies. And when he doesn't, they declare, he must be not a murderer, not a criminal, he must be a god, verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius who welcomed us and entertained us courteously for three days. Publius is the name of the Roman governor of the island. And so understand it is a Roman official who oversees the island, who rules over the island. Now Paul's with a Roman escort. And so he would have have noticed that, and Publius would have been, should have been leery of Paul. He is a high-level criminal. He is on his way to meet Caesar. He should have been leery of Paul. Verses 8 through 10. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect when they were setting sail. They supplied us with all we needed. Now, I want you to catch all of this, see all of what's happening here. God is working here in this church. God is working. He said they would survive the crash back when they were on the ship. They've all survived the crash. Paul's been bitten by a poisonous snake. As a witness, Paul survives and is able to testify to the gospel. There is no harm done to Paul. More than that, the Bible tells us Paul heals Publius's father. Not just that. After that word gets out, it says the rest of the people, all of those people that were sick were also coming and being healed. Understand this. God is powerfully working. God is Clearly working. Folks, do you know God powerfully works through the church? God powerfully works through his church. He empowers it. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you shall receive power. One of my favorite set of verses, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21, listen to this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond, exceedingly abundantly is how that translates. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now, was that just for then? Was that just for long ago? No, it says to all generations forever and ever, amen. God works powerfully in the gospel-proclaiming church. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we want to be a part of? We we need that church. God works powerfully through his church. We need the church. First thing, God's power is on display in the gospel-preaching church. The second thing we see this morning is this. God's gospel is known through the gospel-proclaiming church. God's gospel is known through the gospel-proclaiming church. Now, how does does the world, think about this, how does the world hear about Jesus? How, How does the world know about Jesus, the truth of Jesus, that they might hear and receive him by faith, that they might be saved? Be very certain this morning, it is only through the gospel proclaiming church. You know what? You can go outside and you can walk around through nature and you can see all that God created and you might be aware there is a God. You have enough information there to know there is a God. But you know what? If you're going to hear about Jesus, it's going to be in the proclamation of a faithful proclaiming church. Let me ask you a question. So do you see why Satan tries so hard to mess up the church? You see how hard it is in the church, how Satan comes and he attacks the church? It's because the message is heard through the faithful proclaiming of Christ's church. See this, in the New Testament, the gift of healing was given to the apostles to confirm the apostle. Here's this guy, and he shows up claiming to be speaking for God. The gift of healing was to confirm the apostle. Well, isn't that what's happened here? Paul comes, he heals these folks, and it confirms him as an apostle. Not only that, the gift of healing was given to confirm and to validate the gospel message, the claims of the gospel. Here's this guy, and he play, claims that there is hope in Jesus Christ, that he has died for sins, that he has risen from the dead. Why would we ever believe that? Well, the gift of healing was always, is always to confirm the truth of the gospel. It's not for no reason. It is to validate the truth of the gospel. Paul was on this island three months. Now, we're going to see that in just a second. Let me assure you what he did there for that three months. He preached Jesus Christ. He preached Jesus' the sacrifice for sinners. He preached Christ the crucified for sinners. He preached him raised, risen from the dead, the hope of people. I promise you he preached about his Savior. You say, well, where do you get that? How do you know that? Go back to this account of Acts. He never did not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They could threaten him. He preached the gospel. It could be hard. He preached the gospel. He was never silent about the hope of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. Wouldn't it be awesome for it to be said And man, this ought to be our prayer. This ought to be our hope. This ought to be our desire. Wouldn't it be awesome for it to be said, you can't get near the people of Calvary Baptist Church and not hear the gospel. They're ate up with it. They're kooks. That's all they ever talk about. You can't get near the people of Calvary Baptist Church, no event that they have, no service that they sit in, not at any time. You can't get near them and not hear the good news of the hope of Jesus. Wouldn't well, that how it is with Paul? May we be that type of church. All right, verse 10. I want to look at this verse again. They also honored us with many marks of respect, and when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. Now look at the depth of those words. They also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. It sounds to me like some of those folks at Malta got saved. And you know what? We've heard your message, and we're going to honor you. We're going to take care of you. Isn't that what the church does? It sounds to me like some of the folks here on Malta got saved. Now I want you to think about this. Listen to this. According to history, it's not recorded in the Bible, It's recorded by some historians. But listen to this. When the church at Malta is talked about in the history books, listed as the very first pastor of the church of Malta is a man named Publius. That's what history records. There's a church in Malta and it exists till, till to this day. And when they go back in their record books, the very first pastor was this man named Publius. Oh, listen to me. We need the church today. We need the gospel proclaiming church today. God, dear God, let us be that type of church because there is hope in Jesus. Jesus surely saves. Let us be that church. God's power is on display in the gospel-preaching church. God's gospel is known through the gospel-proclaiming church. That brings us to the third thing we need to remember, and that is this. God's God's encouragement is found in the gospel-preaching church. God's encouragement is found in the gospel-preaching church. Let me tell you something. Life is hard. This week we see it. Life is hard. Until Jesus comes back, we have hope as believers. Yes, we do. We even have joy in our hearts as believers. Yes, we do. But listen, life is hard. The, the circumstances of life are hard, and things can be tough. Sometimes it's almost impossible to keep moving. Life is hard. I want you to watch this. Verse 11. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship. It was probably a grain ship, which had wintered at the island and which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. Now, the figurehead carved on the front of the ship, uh, these were pagan gods, the twin sons of Zeus. And so they're on this grain ship and carved on the front of the ship are the twin sons, the pagan gods, the sons of Zeus. Verse 12. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium, and a, and a day later, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Patoli. Verse 14, there we found some brethren, talking about believers, there we found some brethren, and we're invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. That's how we got to Rome, verse 15. And the brethren, the believers, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Apias and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. One of the last steps is this town, Patoli. It says there were brethren there. There were believers there. The gospel had already reached there. The good news had already been received there. There's already a church there. And so when they go there, they find these believers. It says they stayed there a week. And then it says after that, then they got to Rome. Once they're in Rome, it says there are more believers there. God's word has gone out. It has been faithful. There's been converts. There's a church already existing there. And it says more believers came to meet them there. Some of them from these neighboring little towns, they heard as well, and they traveled in as well. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when the believers showed up, when the church assembled, Paul thanked God. He is faithful. He thank God and see this. It says, Paul took courage. Paul took courage. Church, hear this today. God's plan is when we make an individual decision to follow Jesus, is to place us in a corporate body to walk with Jesus. Now, I want you to hear that again. Be sure of that. God's plan is is that when we make an individual decision to follow Jesus, you have to make that decision, I have to make that decision. When we make that individual decision, his plan is to place us in a corporate body to together walk with Jesus. Now what that means, I want you to hear this, what that means is we are better together. We are stronger together. We are encouraged as believers when we are together. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, a cord of three is not easily broken. Friends, what about a cord of 10? What about a cord of 50? What about a cord of 200? We are better together. Be sure of this. Satan's ploy and Satan's plan, especially in these days, Satan's plan in these days, one of them is to separate you from the fellowship of the church. Now, I I'm not talking about other folks. Sometimes we say, well, they need to hear that. They need to be sure and note that. I'm talking about you. Satan's plan is to take you and to separate you from the fellowship of the church. And maybe you're too busy. Maybe you got other pressing things to do. Maybe you've become apathetic. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're mad. Satan doesn't care the reason. His goal is to separate you out of the fellowship of the church. And when he does, brother or sister, you're missing the power of the church You're missing the fellowship of the church. You're missing the encouragement of the church. You're missing the input of the word of God that happens through the church. And you're missing the love and the care of the church. And I want to tell you something. You will suffer. Well, I can make it fine. It's me and Jesus. Well, I don't need to go to church. I, I understand. I have a Bible. I read it myself. Listen, when you separate from the fellow of the church, you suffer. And you'll end up depressed and demoralized and downtrodden, and it hurts you when you're separated from the fellowship of the church. Listen, I'm not done, there's more than that. Listen to this, and it hurts the church. Sometimes we're so self-focused. Sometimes we're so worried about ourselves. We, we don't see that. We neglect to see that. Listen, the church needs you. The church needs you. The church includes you. God placed you in it. God needs The, the church needs the encouragement that you would bring. The church is strengthened when you're in the fellowship of the church. And listen to me, you're not the only one hurt, but at the most critical time in human history, when the world needs the gospel preaching church, you in your absence hurt the church. See that today. You hurt when you're out of the fellowship of the church. You can't stand for that. But at the exact same time, the church needs you. We need the church that brings us to the fourth thing. Fourth thing is this. We need to remember this. God's purpose steers the gospel preaching church. God's, boy, in this day, man, this is, this is something we need to hear. God's purpose steers, directs the gospel preaching church. Let me tell you something. Today, we live in a miscarriage. Directed world. We, we do. We live in a misdirected world. And we live, and you look around today, we live in a world where we are chasing everything. We got to get this done and this done and we got to add this to our, to our resume and we got to do these things. And we're chasing everything. We're serving everything. I belong to this and I belong to that and I do this and we're serving everything. But the thing that matters We're the most misdirected generation ever. And you watch, we go and we go and we move and we move and we strive and we strive. And really, what really matters, we're accomplishing nothing. Honestly, isn't that our day? All the stuff we're doing, all the stuff we've got going on, all the stuff we're doing, how's crime? It's down, isn't it? How's the economy? Secure, isn't it? How's the home? It's, it's prospering, isn't it? How, how are the kids? They're thriving, aren't they? No. We're so misdirected today. We're serving everything, we're chasing everything but the thing that matters. And look around, it is not paying off. Starting back in verse 16, reading down to verse 19. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. And when they came together, he began saying to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation against my nation. I want you to see this. Paul's in Rome. He's made it all the way to Rome. He's in Rome. The Bible says he's hanging out with the believers there. He's with the church there. And I want you to see this. What does he do? What does he do? He calls together... The Jewish leaders. Now, I I, I can't believe this. Here he is. He's made it to Rome. He's got a trial coming up. He's with the believers. He's encouraged in their fellowship. And he calls together the Jewish leaders. Do you know for 25 years, that's how long it's been, for 25 years since the road to Damascus, do you know who has caused Paul's problems? It's been the Jews. Do you know who's put him in jail? It's been the Jews. Do you know who stoned him? It was the Jews. Do you know who has beaten him? It's the Jews. Do you know who's lying about him? It was the Jews. And good grief, Paul, what are you doing here? He calls up the Jews. Verse 20. For, this is what he says to him. For this reason, therefore... For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you. For I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. Now, Paul is chained to a guard there. It's how he's going to spend his two years. how he's going to spend his time there in Rome, chained to this guy. He says to the Jews, I have requested to see you. Why? Because I'm wearing this chain, chained to this guy, for the sake of the hope of Israel. Now listen to me. I want you to see this. Stay with me. Paul says I am here. I am here. I'm doing all of this. I've been shipwrecked. I've been abandoned. I've been unfriended. I've been bitten by a dadgum cobra and I am here not free but chained to this guard. See my chains. I've done all of this he says for the sake of the hope of Israel. Friends hear me today. The hope of Israel is the promise that was made to Israel. It is the Savior. It is the Messiah. It is the only one that could redeem Israel, and his name is Jesus. Paul says, you want to know why I've endured all this? You want to know why I'm here today? You want to know why I've called you together? It is the person of Jesus. Folks, listen to me. We serve Jesus. Our priority is Jesus. We follow and we love and we proclaim Jesus and he is the direction of the church. He is our direction as we move with the church. That's why we need the church. I'm going to tell you this, any any other thing you join up with, any other, other endeavor you participate in, it's going to follow somebody else. It's going to lead somewhere else. It's going to serve somewhere else. But the church is directed by Jesus. And when you get in the church, your direction is Jesus. All of that to say this. You need the church. You need the church. You can get out if you want. Listen, you can get out. You're going to hurt You can stand off at a distance, I'll I'll throw my name in, I'll I'll come at the big times, I'll participate when when, when I need to, but I'm going to stand off. Listen, you can do that if you want, you're going to be hindered. You can do your own thing if you want, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. You can excuse it however you want, man, there's a list of excuses, but listen to this, the church will suffer. We need the church today. Why? Because we need the Savior of the church, Jesus. We need that Savior. The world needs that Savior. We need the church today because we need the Savior of the church, Jesus. No more important days for the church of Jesus Christ have ever existed. I truly believe that. And so it's no more, has never been more imperative for us to be committed to the church of Jesus Christ. The world Needs Jesus. We need Jesus. We need the church. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful. We're thankful that you have a plan for our salvation, for our redemption, for our forgiveness, but we're also thankful that you have a plan for our life. As we walk with you, as we go through hard days and and good days and, and long days and fast days, That we have a plan and it's a plan where you put us with people to encourage us, to lock arms with and to uphold your truth with and to, to preach loudly with, to comfort each other and then to comfort the world through the proclamation of the gospel. Lord, I'm thankful for your plan of the church. I pray that we would be committed to it. I pray as we're here today that we would know we just have to draw a line in the sand. What's behind us is gone and we would just turn and say, Lord, I I commit anew to you by committing to your church. Help us in that. And then, Lord, I pray that it would bear fruit. I pray that it would bring peace and comfort and joy as people find Jesus in faith and walk with him in faith. Lord, I pray that it may be said you couldn't get near the people of Calvary Baptist Church and not hear of the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, help us in that build us in that, shape us in that. Lord, I pray for some that are here today that are hearing all this and that do not know you. I pray, Lord, today that they would turn to you. They would find peace, not as the world gives. They would find hope, true hope. They would find redemption, renewal, salvation in the person of Jesus. I pray that any hindrance to that, Lord, would be removed. and Today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we we come, we commit all this to you. We tell you we love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service to a time of response, a a time of invitation. I want to tell you, there's a a decision to be made. And we preach for a response, and God's Word calls for a response. And a couple of them exist today. One of them is this. If you've never trusted Jesus, He is your hope today. He'll forgive you of your sin today. He'll restore you and your relationship with God today. Not of any work that you do, not of any religious duty, but if you'll turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I am a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. I understand it. And I understand that you've died paying the price for my sin. And I claim you today as my Lord and my Savior, trusting you in faith that you died paying the penalty for my sin, that you're living yet today, resurrected from the grave. If you'll trust him, if you'll call upon him, he'll save you today. Maybe that's your response. Trust him today. If you need more information, you come. Let's talk it through. Let's settle that today. Maybe your response is to say, you know what? I need to be part of a church that's going to be sold out to the gospel proclamation, the holding up of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so maybe you'd come and say, I want to join this church. I believe God's led me here. I want to be used here until Jesus comes back. And you come, we'll take care of that. Maybe you're here and you're a member of this church, but you say, I need to recommit to the church. I need to recommit and say, you know what, I want to be used here, and and I want to be encouraged here, yes, but I want to be an encourager, a a person that strengthens others. that together we carry out the good news of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've made a decision, maybe it was recently, maybe it was further back in time, but you've never fallen believer's baptism in obedience to Christ. You need to say, you know what, I need to be baptized. The Bible says it's always after salvation, never before, never part of it. And so you say, "When well, I know what it is to be saved, and I want to come, and I want to testify to what we believe of Jesus. And we'll set a day that'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here, and you just want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to lift somebody up in prayer, and you want to come do it here in humility at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'll be here at the front. If you have a decision to make, God's speaking to you, you step out, and you come on. As we stand and sing, I'll meet you here. You step out, and you come on. I'll meet you here,